poor banana man. So I guess that wasn't a real croak dream after all. Didn't really come together quite right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so wait. In the croak dream, it was just me and Banana Man. But this time, you were here too. So, it must be destined to happen again when you're not around. Well, in that case, I'll just have to never leave your side ever again for the rest of our lives. <laughs> hmm. What are you doing? I can never leave your side ever again for the rest of our lives. Get off of me! The rest of our lives! No! I know where you live. Hey everyone, it's me, Kelly, and I'm not sure how the volume might be different than the segment I just recorded because we have bad technology. Anyway, here's a brief rundown of what we're um, doing this week, the week of October 7th. Sex in the City, Season 3, Episode 4, Boy, comma, Girl, comma, Boy, comma, Girl, dot, dot, dot. Um, this is about kind of grappling with the ideas of bisexuality and gender and conflating a lot of things that including including the discussion of bisexuality itself kind of some erasure of trans people which is typical of this show but um a confusion about what bisexuality even means Alanis Morissette is in it and um they call bi no sexual orientation and who hasn't kissed a girl um, what else is there to say? Um, Adventure Time, Season 3, Episode 17. Thank you. Probably one of the cutest flippin' episodes we've seen. A snow golem goes about his day. He gets attacked by firewolves while picking pears. He inadvertently fosters a firewolf pup who kind of follows him home. His, you know, parentheses, question mark. I'm, I'm not sure I'm assuming the correct gender or that I should be assuming gender. Um, so for lack of a, but so there, there, let's use they, them. We talked about that last week. Their gentle care leads to, um, a fire wolf and snow golem, (laughs) snow golem thawing of tensions. My flubbing of the word golem really undercut my pun there. I'm very disappointed in myself. And then there's a side plot of, uh, Finn and Jake, uh, trying to get the ice king for taking sandwiches and he's in an impenetrable fortress but they penetrate it anyway they're kind of ancillary to the whole episode and then there's adventure time season three episode 18 the new frontier uh jake has a quote croak dream that he takes as a prophecy meaning this is how he believes he's going to die and he's kind of very accepting of it about passing on to the next era of his life or unlife or whatever. Um, Finn, however, is quite distressed and he stops at nothing to prevent the croak prophecy from, from, from being fulfilled. Um, Jake pleads, like, let me meet my maker more or less. Um, but Finn, um, Finn's presence in the whole scenario that unfolds means, um, that, uh, Jake's croak dream prophecy can't be fulfilled because, uh, Finn wasn't there in the dream. And then it's a really good depiction of codependency. (laughs) I'm sure Badger and I will talk about that. 
Um, anyway, those are the three episodes we're going over. At this point in time, it really makes no sense for us to try to recap these at length in the episode. Um, and I don't know how much these summaries are actually helping people who are listening because, um, who knows what the fuck we even talk about anyway. So, um, if you care at all, you'll actually watch the episodes because some total it's like 40 minutes of your time once a week. And, um, you know, you have better things you could be doing with your time anyway. I know I do. Okay. Um, we'll be back shortly with, uh, the woman of the hour, Badger, my platonic life partner, my, uh, mother, question mark. I'm her wayward daughter. She's my family. I'm her family. This is getting weird. I'll talk to you soon with Badger. Hi, Cordam. Hi, Jellybean. You want to explain who you are? <clears throat> so I'm a co-worker of Kelly's. And Badger's. And Badger's. And... I'm also, I think, a friend <laughs> You coerced me into saying what? Uh, How I categorize you? Yeah. How do you categorize? Wait. You yelled at me until I admitted you were a best friend. Oh, I did? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> I was really aggressive about our friendship. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so what's up? Um, I just... Got an iced coffee and an almond croissant. That's hitting the spot pretty good. <laughs> so explain to the people how you're mean to me. Um, so I like to tell Kelly that she's stupid all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when she either tells me no to something or she doesn't agree with me or she doesn't like something I think she should like, mm-hmm. I tell her she's stupid about it. When was the last time you called me stupid? Actually, it's been a bit. I'm it's due for like one. It's been like a week and a half. And it was about your pico de gallo. Oh, yeah. Um, so Kelly let me know that she did not try the pico de gallo that I slaved over making for her. Just her. For me. Um, <laughs> it was the biggest bowl of salsa I'd ever seen. <laughs> I thought she'd eat a lot. Mm. Um, she didn't even try a single bite because there was too much onion. I don't like raw onion. And she doesn't like raw onion, which is like key ingredient in that salsa recipe and then i suggested maybe next time you put in caramelized onions and that's blasphemy and and then you almost assaulted me yeah um because i one i don't really prefer cooked onion and two that's not how the recipe goes okay well i don't follow recipes so Cordam, mm-hmm. show me what nails you're getting this weekend. Oh, okay. That's one of the things that we are connected over is our love of manicures. Yes. But you, you get acrylics. I do. Um, I don't have the patience or the supplies or the talent to do them like you can. So I recently switched nail salons and I found out that the artist there can do Jack Skellington. Ooh. So I want to get Jack's face on my ring finger and then I want to do his pinstripe on my index fingers my middle finger will be a dark purple and black ombre and then my um thumb and pinky will be black i'm real excited about it it's very spoopy it's very spoopy so i'm super excited i also already picked out christmas nails (laughs) because i went through the instagram of the owner and just took a bunch of screenshots of all that they can do some pretty amazing 
bougie shit on there. Yeah. So. I mean, so can I. You can, um, but they also have, like, an unlimited supply of little charms and... I really haven't gotten into the charms yet. And the jewels and But all I've the wanted to, Should I do that? I don't know how well they'll last on regular um, polish instead of on an acrylic nail. I don't know either. Yeah. Um, I also don't know if that would be too much for you. Like, if that's too much sparkle. I have holographic nails right now. I know, and they're gorgeous. I just don't know if, like, you're into the whole, like, having... Having, like, actual, like, 3D effects on the nails. Yes. I don't like um, pixie dust style polishes. Okay. Um, Zoya is a brand that I like, and they have a pixie dust, which is, like, a really chunky glitter. Mm -hmm. And some people are into it. And I got one polish in, like, a sampler box that had, like, a sugar effect on it. And you put it on, and it feels kind of like sandpaper and I'm like this doesn't feel right that might so, be nice for scratching your face though <laughs> I have the rest of my fingernail to scratch my face other than the surface of it oh maybe you can exfoliate a little bit though are you, you have <laughs> are no, you saying, saying I need no, to no. exfoliate no I'm not saying you need to I'm just thinking that it's kind of resourceful <laughs> there's like that sounds so disgusting <laughs> why don't I just take a nail file to my face it was the oh, same yeah. kind of grit that's even better no <laughs> No. Um, so, Jordan, you call me Jelly. Mm-hmm. Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean. And then I started to call you Cordon. Mm-hmm. Because I just said, let's just switch letters then. I also called you Grumpy Bean today because you've been a little grumpy. <laughs> I, fine. <laughs> One day we were twins at work accidentally. That was freaking funny. <laughs> we, it was, we both had jeans on, dark wash jeans and a black t-shirt and we both had tennis shoes on. I think we even both had our hair down that day. Mm-hmm. And we kind of walked <clears throat> into work and we looked at each other like, are, are we, are we doing this? Are we really wearing like the same outfit right now? <laughs> <laughs> and then we sat next to each other in our team meeting and like one of us would pick up their coffee with our left hand, one mm-hmm. with the right hand so we could look like we were mirroring, mirroring each other. <laughs> I think people had already been making fun of us because we'd been spending so much time together that we were like morphing into one at that mm-hmm. point, and then we came in dressed as the same. It was pretty awesome. All I need to do is get ten years younger and turn blonde. Yeah, or I'm like half blonde. You're way more blonde than I am. I'm kind of a fake though because it's not real. So, <laughs> not many people's blondes are real. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or I could go darker. If you want to. I've never gone dark. You can go dark like me and get a gray streak. Mm-hmm. What you... Rogue. I call you rogue. It's mm-hmm. like rogue hair. And my yeah. family said it was like Jay Leno hair. I was way nicer. But Jay Leno's <laughs> all gray with a dark spot. So you're the inverse. I'm Jay Leno's opposite. Opposite. Yeah, I also... No. I just got a bunch of text messages from a number I don't recognize. Probably the Hilton. <clears throat> Probably. <laughs> we should wrap this up soon, but before okay. we do, I wanted to give you something. Okay. So close your eyes. Okay. <laughs> so I went to, um, to some McMenamins a couple weeks ago because mm-hmm. um, I was coming back from Tacoma to see the Thorns play, and I was there mm-hmm. with Elena and a couple of her friends, and one of the McMenamins had a gift shop, and I saw this, and I felt like you knew you would know if I had seen this and not gotten it for you. You'd be like, you're hiding something from me, Jelly. Or would I call you stupid? Probably. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Can I open my eyes now? Yeah, you can open your eyes. Okay. <gasps> Jellybean! <laughs> it's, it's so perfect! Thank you! Oh, you didn't have to.
to get me anything. I did because you cut me down. Probably. Can you describe what you got? Okay, so I got the cutest, um, it was like coin purse size, mm -hmm. um, coin purse, and it has a floral background and a unicorn on it, and it's so perfect. Um, I'm actually going to have a unicorn themed birthday party. I'm not surprised. So, <laughs> unicorn and trolls. <laughs> well. It's beautiful. It's so perfect. I'm going to love it forever. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We should wrap up now because we're technically at work. Technically. So thank you, Jordan, for yeah. introducing yourself on a podcast that you have literally never listened to. Uh -uh. About two <laughs> shows I don't think you watch. Uh, wait, Sex Time. Sex in the City and Adventure Time. Okay, I tried Sex in the City, couldn't get into it. I do watch Adventure Time, though. Okay. So. I know half of it. And I know whole of you. <laughs> I know the whole of you, yes. too, because I am you. Yes. Okay, thanks for joining us. I'm going to go ahead and stop now. You're welcome. Bye. 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 Hello and welcome to sex time. And welcome to sex time. Okay. Do you think we have it figured out this time? I think so. Okay. Hi, Badger. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Kelly. Let's, let's fucking hope. <laughs> we There's need... always Thursday. There's always Thursday in person. Hi. Mm -hmm. Hi. Um, how are you? I'm, I'm a little chilly, but I'm kind of enjoying the bracing air. It's not that cold um, for October, I feel. Um, it's, I have my, it's cold if you stand outside. I have my door open because the cats like to go in and out on the catio, no matter how cold it is. So I just have a blanket on my lap and I'm okay. Um, what's, what's going on? Well, uh, I, it turns out I have watched all the episodes this week so we're pushing the recording forward yeah by a day so that it's not actually at the last minute weird um you know i mean it we recorded not too long ago yeah nothing's that different yeah you have a bat dress now i do have a bat dress it's a really pretty dress thank you it's i got a fetching yellow half sweater to go with it that's actually called a bolero did you know that um, I didn't, I thought a bolero was something very different. Mm, anything that's kind of like a cropped half sweater like that kind of falls under the general bolero category. I have like five boleros in different colors then. They are very, very convenient for office life. They're really nice. I got a lot of comments on how professional I looked in my Goodwill dress and my uh, coral bolero. Yeah. I wear a lot of Goodwill clothes. I wore the sweater today that you picked out for me, the cardigan. Oh, good. So we're both very fancy, cheap ladies. We are. Mm -hmm. I have an expensive, nice bag, though, and I deserve it. I have a $6 leather bag from Goodwill that is actually pretty nice, and my, my laptop fits comfortably in it. Can I, I have a very expensive, fancy bag that makes me feel quite powerful and like I could get away with anything. I'm just so happy that you've kind of embraced this because um, it makes it so much easier to shop for you now. <laughs> I did something extremely savage and unprofessional today. 
Okay, but, do tell. Oh, I'm not going to tell you what it was. Um, Wait, don't tease me like this. I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I will always have gotten away with that because of the way that I was dressed and the bag that I was carrying. You know, it's like on 30 Rock that you can go anywhere in a pilot's uniform. I've been upstairs while the Obamas were sleeping. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy that you've infiltrated their ranks. Yes. I had a moment today that... um, legitimately almost made me cry and let's say that maybe when I was driving home from the bus I did cry a little bit out of happiness out of like I don't know relief slash accomplishment so I'm gonna try to tell this story without revealing too many details um but give you enough to like so that you, you know what the deal is with how I'm working right now, but a lot of people who don't work where we work wouldn't get it. But, um, the person that I support also has a spouse working in our organization and and they don't Mm -hmm. work very closely. They, um, sometimes like co-sponsor some projects, but otherwise it's like completely different departments, completely different locations in the city of Portland. So, um, the the ex- the executive I, I support, their spouse, came up to me at work today while I was at my desk and asked if they could speak to me. And they asked to speak to me privately outside of the office, which I um, took to be a moment where I should shit my pants. Because who wants to speak to me privately for a good reason, right? Right. Um, and they, they took me out in the hallway and they just said that they appreciate how hard I'm working and how good of a job that I'm doing and that they know that, that there's like a, they can tell that I'm doing a good job. And um, I'm almost starting to get teared up right now because <laughs> I had so much adrenaline in my system. <laughs> um And it was really nice to hear because this person and I have only had very minor interactions with each other. And the person that I support, we have a very matter of fact, conversational, like, here's the thing that I need done. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's very little detail. It got done, blah, blah, blah. So it's not very like, you know, intimate or like personal or anything like that. So just hearing this feedback was just um, really unexpected and um, overwhelming and I'm starting to literally get tears in my eyes. (laughs) So, um, I'm so, um, really happy in my, um, in my job right now, because for the past few months, I've been doing this job without really truly knowing how I was doing. So, um, the uncertainty has kind of been resolved. So anyway, I wiped away my tears and I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been doing, uh, I would say, a really good job with my program that I've sort of taken over and shaped. Uh, But a major hitch that I've hit in the last month is somebody just straight up not replying to my emails when they're somebody that asked for a specific spec. Um, And I took care of that today in a real efficient manner. Is that when you... And that problem is gone now. Is that what you were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, I 
it makes me really happy to see you coming into your own with this job and not just like, you know, you know, thriving with the path that you were assigned when you got here, but really kind of blazing your own trail and really taking on things that interest you and drive you and making improvements. It's just been really cool to see you get this excited about something. Yeah. It's, uh, it's where I thrive Mm -hmm. is in the, the lawless place (laughs) where I make the rules. (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I just have to say, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die historic on the Fury Road. Well, I have to witness you. Yes. <laughs> I did take one of the golf carts around a corner really hard. <laughs> and I screamed, witness me, blood bag. <laughs> what did I get you for your birthday one year? <laughs> um, a bunch of like Fury Road cosplay stuff. Including? Uh, Mad Max jacket. Mm-hmm. Some boots, mm-hmm. uh, some of that cake, silver cake spray, <laughs> <laughs> so that I can be shiny and chrome when I'm carried to Valhalla. I haven't watched. I have two. I have two um, movies on my laptop that I've actually like downloaded and kept there, and one of them is Fury Road, and I might need to watch <laughs> it again now. Anyway, yeah. I need to watch it again. The other one's The Force Awakens. I've never seen what? that. What? I've never seen... Oh, wait, no. That is. That's the Star yes. Wars. What did you think I was yes. talking about? I don't know. I thought you were talking about one of the 10 movies that somebody's asked me today if I've seen and I haven't. Which... What else? I don't know. I mean, you know, people our age make pop culture references and I haven't seen those movies yeah that's true I've seen more movies than you and I still haven't seen very many movies yeah can I just say oh can well I just say yeah I have so many boobs right now from ovulating <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when we were going to the blurch and I tweeted uh, ovulating and having to make you make eye contact with you <laughs> yes uh, anyway do you remember my flamingo switch sweater yeah. that you said, Badger, you have so much boob in you it. You have so much boob in it because it's flesh colored. I got a matching flamingo ring. Did you? It's huge and hella sparkly. Uh, I think I might have a little bit of like hormonal influence happening right now because my eyes won't stop crying. <laughs> Is this how you feel all the time? <laughs> Uh, probably mm-hmm. i uh i would agree with uh with a satirical article about scorpios that i read oh. that um it said scorpios don't experience emotions as much as they are violently assaulted oh, by them hell yeah <laughs> uh, being a scorpio is rough especially when you're a scorpio who doesn't have the same like level of like sexual desire as other Scorpios because then you just get all the anger (laughs) (laughs) I I have uh, well definitely both yeah you're very well balanced I got that thirsty malevolence Mm. and I just seethe and I hate so many people (laughs) speaking of hating people do we want to talk about sex in the city now yeah, really, um, 
was really cool for like a second to see a bisexual man portrayed on a popular show. I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about this because there are so many things happening in this episode that relate to sex, gender, sexual orientation, and the whole gamut of like gender nonconforming, right? Mm-hmm. So where do you want to start with this? Well, I guess you glitched, you glitched, um, you glitched. Should we just finish this on person? And okay, Thursday? we can do that. But you, you glitched. So I think that anytime you talk now means that I'm going to be like talking over you. Okay. We could just wait three seconds between one of us. When I talk thing. and then you talk. Yes. Okay, if you if you're willing to make that compromise then so am I. No, my ears are cold. Let's finish this up on okay, Thursday. Now that we have our um emotional vomiting out of the way, we'll talk again on Thursday mm-hmm. and we'll make it quick. All right. My pop culture recommended We'll talk girls. about it later. Mine is Brad Mondo. Bye. Bye. Hello. All right. Let's keep it to a tight and 30. Welcome back. <clears throat> I recorded a segment with Jordan earlier. Oh, yay. I might listen to this episode then. <laughs> She's very funny, as you would expect. Yeah, she is. Hey, is this actually working? I think it is. Holy shit. Okay. Um, let's talk about Sex in the City, season three, episode four, Boy, Girl, Boy, Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about bisexuality and how they handle this. Well, they don't, shockingly, they don't handle it great. Uh, They have a bisexual man, which, like, at first is very exciting because visibility and representation and et et cetera. Um, But, of course, he ends up dating Carrie, who behaves about as you would expect. Um, Not really fetishizing his sexuality, but being, frankly, weirded out by it. She has like a morbid curiosity with it too, like asking him if there was an attractive man on one side of the street, an attractive woman, like which would you pick? And it's like, would you ask a heterosexual person if there was a blonde on one side of the street and a brunette on the other side of the street? It's like, that's not really how it works. (laughs) No, she seems to have a really fundamental misunderstanding about human sexuality, which again is just ironic given her quote job unquote. Well, you have to remember... She was born in the, like, late 60s. After the sexual revolution. Yeah, but it hadn't really caught up with, you know, the people who were having children at that time. <clears throat> that was like I mean, that was didn't like the generation parents. before that one, like, kind of invent swinging as a semi-formalized way of taking care of each other's fighter pilot wives? I'm constantly baffled by how much the generations that were like coming of age in the sixties and seventies were socially progressive, sexually liberated, anti-war, blah, blah, blah. And they're the ones like running the fucking country right now. And they're like traditional marriage and let's bomb Northern Syria or shit. And who even knows what's going on right now? I'm choosing not to pay attention. So anyway, Carrie's bad at things. My tangent was really not great. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having a, I've been having a day. Well, when we come into power. 
Will anybody take us seriously? Sure. That's how linear time works. Uh, I mean, we were, we're writing off of a lot of the people who are older than us. I don't know. Um, but you, you know, you're a year younger than I am and you identify as an Xer. And no, I, no, I like don't. saw it. I have recordings of you saying that you identify more as an Xer. Oh, I think where we exist generationally is very fuzzy because we are definitely elder. We're, we're aging millennials. We're, we're, we're like very old. Yeah, we're elder millennials. If I was to be pregnant. Millennial elders. If I was to be pregnant right now, it would be considered a geriatric pregnancy. Mil- millennial elders, did you? <laughs> I'm good at portmanteaus. Yeah, you are. Um, anyway. Uh, Carrie doesn't understand bisexuality. Neither do any of them. They are starting to say, well, does this mean gender is irrelevant? Is bisexual? Yes. Is bisexual? Well, it is. But they are very much thinking of it in binary terms. They are only thinking of the male and female dichotomy. And as we know now, there is a plurality of gender. Um, there's absence. There's the hybridization. There's everything. There's a spectrum of gender. Yeah, like somebody asked me uh, if I was non-conforming or non-binary, and my initial reaction was to say, no, not really. But then, as I've said to you, I often have referred to myself as in the male or uh, Uh a fancy boy, a a fancy pretty boy, Mm -hmm. or a very butch and powerful man lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know... It's, it can be mutable. It can be something that, depending on where you're at, you feel a certain way at that time. And that's valid. Yeah. And I love dressing very femme. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would like dressing very femme if I had a very femme haircut. I don't. I have a very butch haircut. Mm-hmm. And the dichotomy, like, really works on you. Thank you. As far as my gender identity goes, because being a little bit older than a lot of people who are... Um, really expressing their unique gender identities, I kind of sat back and questioned, well, how do I know I'm female? Because it's always just been taken as a matter of fact. And then um, do you remember when in debate people started actively using their pronouns to say like, I use she, her, hers, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, uh, in the rounds when I was judging, I, You know, my knee jerk used to always be she, her, hers, but now I'm like, oh, I don't really care. And that wasn't to be like dismissive of pronouns because I think that they're, you know, enfranchising and validating. I think I genuinely just don't care. Like, I feel like my, I performatively am a woman and I probably say yes, woman more often than nothing else. But more than not, I kind of am like, meh, like. I'm not, that's not to say I'm like non-binary or something. It's just like, it's not that important to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a little hard for me to see you as anywhere besides the femme end of the spectrum, because that's how I know you. I haven't really seen you do any gender bending. So you might be femme as a default, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you should explore your mask side. I don't a little more. I don't know if that's even what it is. I definitely don't feel male. I don't feel like Charlotte 
putting socks down my pants or anything. It just feels like a non thing to me. Like there are people who, when they figure out what their agenda, what their gender identity is, they say, I am this. And it is so solidly this thing. And I'm so excited to be able to declaratively be like, I am this. And I'm like, I'm a woman. Sure. It's not something that feels like so like fundamental to my identity is I guess what I'm at. Yeah. And I, I suppose I am, don't give it a lot of thought, but I'm always learning and growing and frankly, open suggestion. I think you're a very fancy boy. Thank you. One of the people that I follow on Twitter, uh, Lila Sturgis, who has done some writing for the Lumberjanes, uh, is a trans woman and I kind of think of her as my online mom. Yeah. Uh, but like she's she posts sometimes about like learning new things about gender and transition and identity and like learning new things all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. You don't have to say say one thing and that's your hilded eye on. So let's go through a few more of the like key points of this before we just finally get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely conflate sex and gender and they completely ignore the trans and non-binary people. Oh, I have such a funny story that's very pertinent to this. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we've got pronouns on our name tags Yeah. at work and, or our badges. They're not name tags per se. Whatever. People yeah. Um, we had a temp recently and, uh, me and another coworker, cause just for something for her to do brought her to the women's employee resource group meeting and um, the the head of the transgender health program was there speaking and and kind of giving everybody a 101 on, you know, sexual identity and gender and outmoded terms and current terms and evolving terms and, and different things. And this person, this temp, this non-grouper afterwards was talking to Uh, one of our colleagues and was just like so fucked up on the pronoun thing uh, because uh, Spike and I both have they them on our badges and she 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 conflated like they them means you are a bisexual oh interesting like oh so that means you like boys and girls like no that means I sometimes feel like a boy or a girl, or mm-hmm. a both, or a neither. Yeah. Uh, and then she said that I guess I would be a celibate cis woman. That's my identity. Yeah. <laughs> I think she thought I was somehow linked to the pronouns, as though we were all walking around declaring. I'm our sexual preferences on our badges and I, I was just so flummoxed because this person just talked to us for an hour about it like how could you so misunderstand I don't know there's this is radical for some people who never really engaged with this when you know the prefrontal cortex was still forming <laughs> and so you know, let's let's just say what it was. The temp was a generation or two older than us. And um, this is probably something that is very new um, for them to try to get a grip on. But the person who is leading this program is about the same age. 
No, and I, that's so, not to say everybody in that generation or age group is going to have the difficulty understanding it. It's just, what if this is her first exposure ever to this? That just, I mean, that seems so foreign to me. I know. You're woke. <laughs> but, I mean, can you imagine just having, just not having this whole slice of society like it's, having having that invisible to you? It's possible. People are in willful denial. Our people, you know, just have sheltered experiences. It happens. Yeah. Um, somebody, you know, a generation or two older, um, I was joking around and said, everybody under the age of 40 is bisexual. And which, you know, fact... <laughs> And, and they just don't know it yet if they don't think they are. Yeah. And and this person was like, oh, well, I mean, I I guess it's kind of a different, different era now. And I said, no, <laughs> bisexual people have always existed. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't make more of us in the year 2000. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe it's all that roll-on glitter I used in middle school. <laughs> like, oh, this glitter is amazing. And so are tits. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, one of the dudes is I. He passed next. It's like, whoa, what's that mustache? What's going on with that? Because you know, when people start growing a mustache, it's a little off-putting. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh, I'm going to be Freddie Mercury for uh, for Halloween." And I said, "That's so dope." Uh, and he said, "Yeah." Um, I'm really good at singing. I could totally top Queen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and like he's about our age, if not a little younger. And I said, "Oh yeah, you could totally top Freddie." <laughs> and you can't he, keep saying these things at work. Well, then he said, "Oh, I well, I haven't done that before, but it'd be hard to say no to Freddie." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "See, old man." Everyone's bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) I I mostly think that at least all women are bisexual because, like, how could you refute, like, the, oh, my cats, my cats. (laughs) How can you refute the attractiveness of women is my thought. Like, you just can't. I, I can get why, I can get why people are only into women. I can't get why people would be into men and not also into women. Right. Like, I guess they exist. I guess straight people exist. <laughs> but I don't understand them. And I think they must be stopped. They might be confused. I think that they're just going through a phase. Yeah. Um, okay. So they say that bisexuality is no sexual orientation in this, um, in this show. Um, and there is no such thing as no sexual orientation. There are sexual orientations in which it's non-sexual like asexuality mm-hmm. but it's still an, an orientation yeah <laughs> that's i mean i think that's the fallacy of saying there's trans people and there's normal people yeah oh like they're, so it's such like a hear. yeah <laughs> it just it just makes me feel so itchy i i didn't understand um like anything about transgender community anything until I was already pretty much an adult and it was like oh 
I, this is a new thing for me to understand. And now that I'm like solidly an adult, I'm like, anybody who thinks this is like fake or uh, abnormal or weird can like get fucked <laughs> so hard. And um, it, transphobes and TERFs just make me so uncomfortable. Yeah, TERFs make me furious. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I met the first trans person that I met when I was like 16 and it was very much, you know, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. I can't remember when I would have met the first person I knew who was trans, but, um, somebody that I went to high school with, um, is trans. Um, and I was kind of out of their life during, cause I just kind of like, like pulled back from a lot of like contact from people for a year, about 10 years ago. Um, so when I met him as he is now, it was like, oh, that's okay. We're going with it. And it was just kind of like, that's what, it, that's how it is. And, uh, it's been pretty informative to know this person. Um, he's very patient with me if I ever have questions, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, which is really appreciated because nobody's, I feel like the people I know who are trans are under such an obligation from society to like constantly re-justify that they're like entitled to the same like rights and respect as other people yeah and that's one of the things that I really like about Adventure Mm -hmm. Time is uh, in a much later season somebody says Princess Bubblegum and and somebody else in this episode that she's close to uh, are are so different but kind of came from the same place and she just says you know, people are different. They're made differently. You don't got to understand it. We just got to yep. respect it. And to me, like distilling stuff down into you don't have to understand, just have to respect. And that is none of our business is a, uh, is a, a really brief and eloquent way of just moving on in your life. So last point in this, before we move on, Oh, come on. I, I you, tried to, I tried I to move you, us. I know you did. It's been six, it's been 17 minutes. Did. I'm so sorry, but real, real quick. How did no. you feel about when Carrie had to kiss a girl? I thought she was a dick about it. If she didn't want to play kissy game, then she shouldn't have played mm-hmm. kissy game. And she shouldn't have had a fucking fit after she kissed a pretty mm-hmm. lady. And thought it. And that she shouldn't have been like so smug about being straight. That's nothing to be proud of. It absolutely is not. Um, empirically speaking, I think it is more pleasant to kiss women. Welcome to sex time. We're very yeah. clear. But unfortunately, not completely gay. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck. Okay. Lesbians have their own problems. I don't know. I go to Thorns games and I see all the gay women and I'm like, that seems so uncomplicated. <laughs> Although I don't. I... I know. I see like the older dykes walking around and having healthy walks in the park. And it's like, mm, I want some of that big dyke park walk energy. <laughs> I think the biggest problem I hear about lesbians is how all of them have dated each other. <laughs> uh, other than that, everybody seems really well adjusted. <laughs> okay adventure time okay Mm -hmm. thank you season three episode 17 fucking adorable 
Isn't that just wonderful? You get to see some of these like tertiary characters and it's this element of storytelling that I really love where you're introduced to a a foreign, you know, entity. Mm -hmm. In this case, a snow golem and fire wolves. They don't really Mm -mm. talk. But you see how the snow golem lives and see the interrelation between the snow golem and this firewolf puppy. Um, very non-verbally, but very expressively. I really love it. It's like the reluctant caretaker um, trope and the bonding of like an unlikely pair. I do have a question. And as per mm-hmm. the agreement, if this is going to lead into any spoilers, you don't have to answer it. But the snow golem, is he dependent on the snow that is created by the Ice King? Being like, if the Ice King did not maintain the snow, would the snow golem be gone? It kind of seems yeah. like it, because he started to melt when when he got too close to fire. And that whole area... It be, especially because there's like snow on the pear trees, which is not what usually happens in nature, seems to be artificially frozen because of the Ice King is my understanding. So um, mm-hmm. he's kind of like in this precarious, like weird, uh, sensitive, um, I don't know, jeopardy with, with his existence because the snow is not like genuine snow. But aren't we all? I know it just though? speaks to the fragility of life. The artifice that we surround ourselves in. The false security. Yeah. Are you high? Okay. Um, I liked this episode a lot. I told you that via text already. Yeah, it's so darling. um, Fire wolf pup is so cute. And I feel like they did a really good job of like the depiction of kind of like the persistence of a pet. Like, you will love me. <laughs> and I will be adorable when I sleep. Yeah, and it's he's so cute when he does his little flips and bursts into mm-hmm. flame. I loved especially when he when the golem pushed him off of the chair into the snow when he's asleep. And he just kind of sinks into the snow because he melts it with his heat. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, the... Um, he goes home with the golem and the golem. I love the uh, the uh, oh fuck noises that the golem makes because it's just woo <laughs> 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 just during this flaming yeah. chaos <laughs> and he puts the, the puppy out and the vultures come and they're chewing on <laughs> it and like it's his deepest instinct is to protect the thing that is from a from a society that preys on him. But this particular child is is in mm-hmm. need. And at the end, um, Finn and Jake kind of reflect upon that about like the easing of tensions. And it's very funny to me that we watched. I watched this episode on Tuesday. The very day that Ellen DeGeneres is like, I'm friends with George W. Bush. Yeah, that's I not okay. With people who are different than me. Look at us bridging the gap. And it's like, that's not what that no. is. He's a, that's rich people being rich class people. solidarity. He's a fucking war criminal. <laughs> but like, yeah. the, are the um, firewolves um, in the context of Adventure Time, are they 
as bad as George W. Bush. No, because they're animals. They're like, they're, you know, a mutation of mm-hmm. wolves. They're just doing what they do. Is the, um, the, the cheetah is not a war criminal for bringing down the gazelle. How did the fire wolves become fire wolves? Um, I don't know. I think when a wolf daddy and a volcano mommy love each other <laughs> very much. Well, I mean, we've we've talked about how this is kind of a post-nuclear iteration of mm-hmm. the Earth. So I, it's something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I know. It's just, it, it's... Some of the things that they come up with um, are so, like, the whole sequence where the golem is getting ready to leave to go do his shopping, and he, like, gets his cart, do-to-do, makes a list of, like, the pear and the acorn, and then he puts his little, mm-hmm. like, twig wreath around his face for, like, seemingly no reason. But it seems like a gentleman putting on yeah, his hat. I mean, it, it makes sense in like, it's... I'm leaving the house, so I have to be presentable. But it's just such a yeah. random action because of what specifically it is. So those are the sorts of things where it's like, I don't know how they came up with that. Um, I think it's just, it's, it is a fully built mm-hmm. world. So it doesn't have to be something that is aping our society. No. Even though it's obviously in many ways a reflection. Um, I remember in 2016, there was a very apocalyptic episode uh, where they found some old buildings and there was a graffiti all over the roof of one that just said complicit. Yeah, that's the sound I made. It hurt. God. Um, I guess I just more wonder how the creative process goes for people who dabble in the absurd because I I like I like absurdist humor I just I also really enjoy like witty repartee and things like that and as far as my own ability to be funny is it's never really it's never going to be like this and so I just kind of wonder how does somebody get so comfortable with themselves in the creative process and um being kind of like unshackled when it comes to being as weird as they want with this it's it's something that I'm unfamiliar with and curious about well I mean I think it's just reflective of the the human notion to to tell ourselves stories even with the like absurdist stuff in them these are all stories that have a relatability to them that is clear yeah, and I mean, you know, we tell ourselves absurdist stories too to to make ourselves laugh and avoid doing. What's our, our most work. absurdist story that we tell each other? Uh, I I don't know. I think everybody comes up with their no, I mean, own thing. You and me, like, oh, I I mean, I can't think put on the spot like that. All I'm thinking now is building a tower of bones and making a throne on top. Yeah, that sounds right for you. Yeah. Do we have anything else on this episode? <laughs> um, just that it's very, very sweet when uh, at at the end. So the oh, subplot yeah. is you're you're kind of seeing this slightly. You're mostly looking over the snow golem's shoulder, so to speak. 
But as the snow golem is going back and forth, he is seeing the Ice King in impenetrable ice armor that he seemingly can't move. He just sits inside of it. He's he's stolen Finn and Jake's sandwiches, but is not currently able to eat them. <laughs> and they're they're just like whacking at it with sticks and kicking it. And I love the way he says, you're wasting your time. <laughs> and the golem like sees this action and like rushes past it. Trying oh, to be no. completely unnoticed or just not get drawn into it. <laughs> and then at the, the end, they finally chipped away at this impenetrable ice fortress, protective armor, whatever. Yeah. And they're <laughs> sitting on him eating their sandwiches and ice King says like, wow, we sure could learn a lot from those sandwiches. <laughs> and Finn looks at the, the snow golem holding the fire puppy and he leans down and kisses the ice King on the cheek. And the ice King closes his eyes and says, Yes, Thank it you. was a little sweet moment. There are so many little sweet moments in that show that are like, ha ha show, ha ha show, this is cute. Oh my god. <laughs> Why must they do this to us? Why must they hurt us in this way? It's so artful. Okay. Should we talk about the last one? Which is yeah. season three, episode 18, The New Frontier. Um, I already summarized it. I recorded that. So we know it's about Jake having a premonition about death and kind of the freak out that Finn has surrounding that. Um, mm-hmm. This was a really good depiction of codependency. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're brothers and Finn is a Yeah, I know, I know that. But I felt like I was like, oh, if, if Badger had a choke dream, I would be like interrupting that shit. <laughs> <laughs> not on my watch badger i'm not gonna let you meet your destiny in the world of glob or whatever <laughs> jake has a, a healthy acceptance of death yes he seems maybe a little too eager to like dissolve and be have his deeds tallied by glob <laughs> while his spiritual essence becomes atomized and part of everything in the world maybe yeah i mean i think you you know like you've mentioned following the the order of the good death mm-hmm. and um i i do as well sometimes and um one of the things i read there recently was like have you really considered what it is to die and have you mourned the world and your loved ones and yourself and your own life and have started to kind of come to grips with that and jake just seems really eager well, <laughs> like he's not super reflective of of, you know, thinking of the world and the world that he knows and the world that will be in the world without him. So in he's it. like in his late twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was extremely same in my late twenties. Yeah. I mean, we all want to die all the time. Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's maybe out of some species, like collective unconsciousness, um, carry capacity sense. Where we sense that the world has, we're, we've overstretched the carry capacity mm. and we, we have to stop breeding for the overall, like we have, it's time to die mm-hmm. for the overall species. I also think that there's a, on a personal level, I can't do much more of this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I could do a little bit more of this. I don't know if I can take any more of the horrors that are happening right now. And they're not even happening to me. You know, it's psychologically too heavy to deal with things. Yeah, I used to be such a news junkie. I mean, we both were. We were in political science. We read The Economist. We read it every week. Yeah. Um, Baker had a a letter published in The Economist about austerity measures. And, like, we all read it out loud and we were just thrilled over the moon for her. Yeah. Um, Chris critiqued me and... That was something that we made it made it onto the episode we recorded together about how I am, quote, a political being. And yet I'm so unwilling to, like, deal with politics right now. But he he's a cis white straight man in the middle to upper middle class. All of the things that are happening in this world are too abstract for him. He can understand them and probably feels bad about them. But I don't think he has known the fear that like I feel just on the reproductive rights level, but that I had my tubes taken out because of this administration. I had a very invasive surgery. Yeah. yeah. And I compared your tubes to Bucatini noodles. Cause I picture them being like long spaghetti with holes in the middle of them. Yeah. And then we talked about the book of the unnamed midwife. And I don't know if you've no, read that. No, no. Is that, you really should. It's a quick. Read. Who's the author of that one? Is that uh, a woman? I don't remember okay. the name. No, there's a lot of book recommendations you've given to me over the years, and I am not feeling the books right now. So good. It's a quick read. You'll like um, it. It it scared me badly enough that I ran out of my apartment into the night. Uh, this administration. Um, no oh. the book. <laughs> oh. The, the the administration, like this book in the context of this administration. Um, yeah, I panicked and I grabbed my running stuff and I just left. Um, I know that a lot of... So I ran out into the dark alone. <laughs> uh, if, you hear some, if you hear a noise, you just run towards it. It's true. This is, and then if it's something that means harm, at least I'm already going at full speed. This administration is... is it's not just this administration. There's a lot of things happening globally um, that are problems, like the whole climate crisis. I think it's so dying. much more of a of an impending tragedy than people can really handle because it still seems so abstract, right? So there's people who say, "Oh, things are terrible," but day to day, it's not really affecting them, so they don't understand it on a very like tangential level. And then there's like. I'm probably the next step from that. Whereas like everything in my life is comfortable, except if I get sexually assaulted, who knows if I can have fucking emergency contraception. Right. And then there's yeah. like people who face like economic or food insecurity, people who experience racism and discrimination, people who live in food deserts, people who have underfunded school districts. And that's just people in America who start getting like more and more scared. Then there is the amount of, um, refugees flooding our borders because their instability in our countries is so fucking terrible. They'd rather risk being in detention and ice than to deal with it at home. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, militias are targeting them like, and it just like compounds and compounds and compounds. And that's why right after the election, even though this isn't happening to me, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was not fun to be around. Um, 
Yeah, I really recommend the poem uh, Home by Warson Shire for, for people who are skeptical about, you know, immigrants. So I can pull it up and read it now. It's, it's more important than adventure time. We'll do it live. But <laughs> fuck it. But we'll I just want to say, like, I literally, after the election happened, thought that there ceased being reasons to live. Um, no, I called, I emailed my therapist and said, I don't feel like I'm meant to survive the next four years. And, um, I got really, really, really nasty with everyone. And then you yelled at me and said, get on a fucking antidepressant. I didn't say that. I said, you need medicine. I'm paraphrasing, but the the sentiment is, is there. It wasn't good. What are we? What shall are we I read this? Shall, shall I read Home by War Sunshine? No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. You only run for the border when you see the whole city running as well. Your neighbors running faster than you, breath bloody in their throats. The boy you went to school with who kissed you dizzy behind the old tin factory is holding a gun bigger than his body. You only leave home when home won't let you stay. No one leaves home unless home chases you. Fire under feet hot blood in your belly it's not something you ever thought of doing until the blade burnt threats into your neck and even then you carried the anthem under your breath only tearing up your passport in an airport toilet sobbing as each mouthful of paper made it clear you wouldn't be going back you have to understand that no one puts their children in a boat unless the water is safer than the land no one burns their palms under trains beneath carriages No one spends days and nights in the stomach of a truck feeding on newspaper unless the miles traveled means something more than the journey. No one crawls under fences. No one wants to be beaten, pitied. No one chooses refugee camps or strip searches where your body is left aching. Or prison, because prison is safer than the city of fire, and one prison guard in the night is better than a truckload of men who look like your father. No one could take it. No one could stomach it. No one's skin would be tough enough. The go-home blacks, refugees, dirty immigrants, asylum seekers, sucking our country dry, niggers with their hands out. They smell strange, savage, messed up their country, and now they want to mess up ours. How do the words, the dirty looks, roll off your back? Because maybe the blow is softer than a limb torn off. Or the words are more tender than 14 men between your legs. Or the insults are easier to swallow than rubble, than bone, than your child body in pieces. I want to go home, but home is the mouth of a shark. Home is the barrel of a gun. And no one would leave home unless home chased you to the shore. Unless home told you to quicken your legs. To leave your clothes behind, crawl through the desert, wade through oceans. Drown, save, be hunger, beg, forget pride. Your survival is more important. No one leaves home unless home is a sweaty voice in your ear saying, leave, run away from me now. I don't know what I've become, but I know that anywhere is safer than here. Oh, that, that's a lot. Welcome to Sex I have something to read you too. Okay. This is. I'm reading you the lyrics. I'm probably going to cut out a couple of the choruses. Um, the song's called Emigre by Alila Diane. Um, 
Seabirds fly the salty wind, east to south, north to west, see us go as they go across the border lines. I can feel the fear hang heavy on the water, glinting sharply with the pale moonlight. Mothers, hold on tightly to your children. The waves are breaking violently tonight. I hear yelling, I hear crying, I hear praying, as the ocean threatens us on all four sides. The water rises deeper every minute. The vessel cannot bear the burden of our load. One by one, the children have grown silent. Oh, God, did I lose my fucking spot? Oh, here we go. <laughs> how, how to fuck up a poem. Yeah. <laughs> one by one, the children have grown silent. From their mother's arms, they float away. The roaring sea will wash her quiet bodies upon the foreign shore, but our souls will find a way. And then the chorus goes on and on about um, the salty wind. Anyway, um, so I think that I imagine that is speaking a lot to the refugee crisis that is happening in Northern Africa to Europe, because there are so many times that boats of refugees capsize um, and people mm -hmm. risk drowning in the Mediterranean um, because, I mean, there's no... Who would be compelled to take that risk if it wasn't absolutely the only option left? Yeah. And, you know, when this was a lot in the news a few years ago, um, I mean, like, sure, I have an overactive empathy gland, but just like that thought of something so bad happening that I have to leave Portland and go somewhere where I don't speak the language and it's dangerous and every bad thing could happen. And, you know, there's no medical care and, and you show up and people hate you. Like it's, it's too much. And I don't understand having empathy and understanding. So suffice it to say right now, you and I are both alive and um, mm -hmm. handling the things that are happening in the way that probably makes the most sense it can right now in terms of processing information and doing what we can to be supportive of people who can't advocate for themselves. We could always do more. Um, it's just, and it's so hard to kind of motivate to do a lot more to compromise kind of like your own standard of living because it does seem so remote and abstract and you still have to like go to work and you still have to do laundry and shit. Yeah. We're in the middle of a mass extinction event. We still have to go to work in the right. morning and like do work politics and, you know, play the game and dress it's the part. The most, uh, I don't know the juxtaposition. It's, it feels like whiplash constantly. That's why it's, I mean, Greta Thornburg, I think it's, it's such a wake up call because like she has recognized that she doesn't have the time for this kind of artifice. Mm -hmm. Gen Z is going to be the, the generation that ends it. <laughs> they're going, they're so motivated right now because they are the first generation who sees what the most likely, um, what mortality is going to look like for them. Like you and I are mm -hmm. probably going to live to relatively old ages and probably die 
of, um, you know, natural causes, they might experience like (laughs) the climate change will be the most likely cause of death for that generation. Um, Mm -hmm. and the variety of horrors that it is definitely bringing with it. So, yeah. I mean, just the idea of losing the the temperate zone. Uh, There's going to be a refugee crisis unlike anything we're experiencing now. Food scarcity, Mm -hmm. water scarcity. Water water wars. (laughs) Just full Mad Max. I know we we like Mad Max, um, but I don't think any of us are cheering on it to to happen. No. There are a lot of parallels between a Morton Joe and um, Donald Trump. The other person whose jaw I want to rip off. 43 new women have come forward this week. 43. Wow. So maybe, maybe Jake, um, being a little bit older than Finn, kind of went through a lot more shit. And he's, maybe he has processed, like, mortality and grieved for life already. <laughs> maybe, but you get the idea also that he's he's generally happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this episode? Um, this isn't giving anything away, but there is an episode in the future where Jake, like, kind of loses his shit and shrinks down small. And Bimo picks him up and says, uh, you're always worrying about me, but I will be the papa now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, let's wrap things up. Um, you already yelled at me that your pop culture was going to be Dairy Girls. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. any more about that? Um, Dairy Girls, British sitcom that takes place toward the tail end of the Troubles in Ireland. Half the pilot starts off a little bit slow, and then it ramps up, and it's it's really, really funny. And not just funny in kind of that slow, dry way. Uh, there's a, a lot of the physical comedy and chaos that really I personally am drawn in by. Highly I recommend, recommend watching it with subtitles. Um, if you're not very familiar yeah. with like dissecting the Irish brogue, Um, But kind of speaking to the, like, weird absurdity of, like, living a normal life in the midst of complete chaos. These are teenage girls who are dealing with, like, crushes and things in the middle of, like, having to go through, like, bomb checks on their school bus and stuff. It's, it's like, the banal and the horrifying totally intermingled. So. Yeah. I mean, that was um, Hilberg. I think it was talked about uh, finding normalcy, like people just the inherent drive and ability of people to find, make a normalcy in abnormal situations. Because you you go insane if you don't have some anchors. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else on Dairy Girls? Uh, I think it's like the best show I've ever seen. Everybody should watch it. I mean, Adventure Time's the best show I've ever seen, but Dairy Girls is Have very you seen good. Those seasons now, oh, mm-hmm. so good. Um, my pop culture also hails from the islands of the North Atlantic. 
Um, there is a show. Um, if you watch TV in Britain, it's on the channel called Dave. And I don't know why it's called that. Um, but you can see a lot of the videos on Daily Motion or YouTube, or you can steal them the good old fashioned way. So the show's called Task Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Hot Pockets. <laughs> um, it's a show that is uh, devised by Alex Horn, who's a comedian, and um, Greg Davis is the quote-unquote taskmaster, and all of these um, British, Irish, and etc. comedians have to perform tasks about five per episode, and they um, are very, very funny. They have different like um, objectives and um, time constraints and things like that. And it has resulted in moments where I've genuinely been laughing so hard I'm crying. And one moment where I laughed so hard, I literally pissed myself. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't make it to the bathroom in time. <laughs> that has never happened to never? me. Not even when you were a child? No. You have excellent bladder control. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next episodes that we're going to be reviewing are Sex in the City, Season 3, Episode 5. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Are you, like, playing with a slinky or something? Kind of. Um, I've got Perkins sitting on my shoulders. He got into a... Um... Mel was picking on him, and he got really scared, and he wanted to sit on my shoulders, and he didn't want to go back okay. in his pen. He was a little bit loud there for a minute, but we're good. Um, so I imagine the next episode of Sex and the City, I can't remember which one it is, but it's probably about butt stuff, so that's something to look forward to. Oh, always. And then Adventure Time, we're going to be watching um, season... What did I write down season four there? No, season three, episode 19 and 20. So Holly Jolly Secrets Part 1 and Holly Jolly Secrets Part 2. Oh, you're in for such a treat. Are you okay? Oh, it's going to be so Are you crying? No, I'm so happy. Well, then I'll watch these (laughs) as soon as possible. Um, Okay. Do you have anything for Kelly's Contradiction Corner? Um, I mean, besides like earlier when you argued with me that you have never said that you're, you're more an Xer. So just the usual for me then. Okay. Yeah. Just not, not even back Just still on your bullshit. Yeah. At least I'm consistent. You can mm-hmm. re- rely on me. Um, do you have, do you, do I ever have contradictions or? I don't know. Do I have, uh, I don't know, a thing? Do I have a thing? Um, until a week ago, you couldn't put on lipstick. But now yeah. I can. I helped. Mm-hmm. And with your fingernails, too. Yeah. My cuticles are looking a lot better. I made you a nail oil pen. It's so good. I'm bummed they're not refillable. Yeah, some people try to, like, untwist them. And I think it just ends up breaking them because there's, like, threading inside of them. Uh, So I don't love that they're uh, a single-use – well, not single-use, but basically a single-use plastic that gets thrown away. But maybe I will find a way to um, do some sort of thing that has the same sort of properties but is not as wasteful. So um, social media, we are on 
Facebook, kind of, Sex Time Podcast, Twitter at Sex Time Pod, and the Instagram is at Sex Time Pod. And that's probably. Yep. And I just posted. Oh, I did too. (laughs) That's probably where we're the most consistently active because it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. And we're both on there. I forgot. I ran a poll on Twitter this week about which of the four girls in Sex and the City was the most, um, like, the best embodiment of intersectional feminism. Did you see that? (laughs) Miranda won. Well, sure. I guess if you could pick someone. <laughs> I just thought of this show having intersectionality is so stupid. <laughs> um, we need to do shout outs. Shout out to Kristen. Yeah. And Emily. To Jordan. To Trevor. To Emily. Um, to Do we have anybody else listening? Chris? No. I doubt it. I imagine he's pretty mad at me for <laughs> the last conversation we had about this. <laughs> he's going to tune in and be like, listening to Kelly say like, Chris doesn't care about the climate crisis because he's a white man. <laughs> um, I don't know. Emily. Yep. That's our bedrock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, she's who this is really. For. I mean, it's for us, but well, it's it's for you. Let's be. Let's. Be I love real. it. This is. I know it's. It's a lot. It's a lot for you to do this because you have so much. Um, but it it makes me feel like I'm important to you. you You're you important are. to me too. You're Thank my you. favorite person. You're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Okay. Is there anything else we have to say before we go? Nope. It's the fun sex time podcast where we cry. We well overshot our 30 minutes. Oh, it's always so bad. Uh, We'll see you later. Next time on Sex Time.